I think his health is heading in the right direction. You know, he, he had the foot procedure, and, and last time I talked to him, he was, you know, he, he was feeling good about himself. He's been working out hard from what I hear. You know, he's, he's doing all the rehab stuff he's supposed to. Um, I would never bet against I would never bet against him. I'm tell you that much. You know, if he if he comes back and he's healthy, they have a dynamic football player. The, the, the guy's a uh, just he's just a special guy, and you know, hopefully he is healthy because uh, you know if he is, there's there's a lot of good football left. This is the stuff you missed. Best of 99.9 The Fan Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here is your host for the Stuff You Missed Podcast, Dennis Cox. Coming up on today's show, college basketball discussions, including Pitt head coach Jeff Capel joining Adam and Joe. Also, NFL discussions as we lead up to Super Bowl 54. And former Carolina Panthers head coach Ron Rivera stopped by Golick and Wingo. Lauren Brownlow, a WREL sports fan, joined Adam and Joe this afternoon. And they got into a discussion about UNC basketball and their star point guard, Cole Anthony, and when he might return from his injury to take the court once again for the Tar Heels. You know, if there's any worry about when he's coming back, I mean, I do think it's probably worth remembering Zion Williamson when he was a Duke and, and he was out for a while and people had started mm-hmm. to like consult doctors and like, how long does this injury take to heal? And like, why is he still out? Why has he missed this much time? I think it's hard for me to imagine him not coming back at this point. Like with everything he said mm-hmm. and been so gung ho about coming back and he's definitely coming back and blah, blah, blah. It's hard for me to imagine it doesn't happen, but the stakes are a little higher for people like him and for Zion, and I think they probably want to make sure that when they do come back, they're 110% ready to go. Lauren, Adam, and Joe talk further about what Cole Anthony has said on social media about his return. It's commenting on an Instagram story, tweeting out what he tweeted. And, like, he doesn't have to be saying anything. Doesn't have to say squat. He's been very active on the bench. He didn't say anything for a long time Mm -hmm. until it neared the end of his recovery window. Then he sends that tweet out, what, like a week ago now? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and people were like, oh, he's coming back soon. I didn't necessarily think that meant that. I was like, eh, I don't know that it means he's coming back tomorrow. I think it just means he's coming back soon. And yeah, yeah I, don't, I, I just, you, if I just get the sense that based on what he has said, he wants to at least have some ex- college experience. Like, are you mm-hmm. telling me that Cole Anthony doesn't want to experience a Duke Carolina game? Of course, you know he does. I mean? that, that's the thing. So I, I, I would expect him to be back. I, it's just a matter of when. Adam Gold shares his viewpoint. The thing that bothers me about this conversation is that it's generally, again, this is I'm, I'm putting a, a blanket over everything, and I realize there are no absolutes. It's generally had by people who don't, who haven't played. I put myself in that category, but it's clear that some of these guys, and I'm not saying all. James Wiseman didn't want to play. He didn't right. want to play in college. Mm-hmm. He. And I mean, it's just it's hard for me to imagine a guy as media savvy as he is Cole, I think, and and as media savvy as his family is that he would be out there like I'm coming back really soon and then just not come back. Right. Like that's that's really hard for me to imagine. I mean, Brownlow says Cole Anthony has put himself in a very particular position. But Cole has sort of put himself in a weird spot now where like, you know, yes, he could not come back and probably still be drafted pretty high. Right. But at this point, his last mock had him four, but I don't know. That's still pretty. Yeah. Still pretty good. But if he. You know, if if he doesn't come back after like saying everything that he's been saying, you know, maybe that's something. And the NBA is not as bad about this as the NFL, thankfully. But like, maybe that's something they used against him in the draft process. Like, well, what's going on with that? No, you, like, why wouldn't yeah. you? You know, I don't think that would go well for him that necessarily. Doesn't, that doesn't happen in the NBA. On Sports Channel Eight, the radio show, Josh Goodson poses a question to Hayes Permar about his perception of the UNC Tar Heels. A week ago, I think you were trying to tell me that you were done with this UNC team. You, you just didn't think they were very. You did not yeah. think they were good. Yes. 
And in meaning, and I think in talking of that, we were like, they're not going to beat Duke. They're not going to uh, yes, beat Louisville, yes, beat yes. Florida State. Yes. Has your tune changed any based on not even UNC, but like looking at other? Yeah, I can't. Teams. See, I can't see them. I'm okay with you saying I can't I, see them beating Florida State, Louisville, or Duke. Okay. Yes, because it's a rivalry game. Maybe they they play Duke close. Duke is invincible. We've seen them lose to you know not great teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, Clemson's not a great team. They do say how UNC could be a tough team to beat down the stretch. Uh, and again, because it's a rivalry game, I could see them playing Duke close. Who's going to guard Garrison Brooks? Home. And I'm not saying that jokingly. Like, no, no, uh, no, you make some good points. They have, they like have UNC to me, and I, again, this might be the I've only seen them once live, and the one time I saw them live, I thought they were very w- well orchestrated in what they were wanting to do. They're improved. They're better. And then, I, you, and then by then, you think maybe call anthony comes in anthony they talk more about unc's odds to make the ncaa tournament if unc had stolen two of those games you know the pittsburgh game where they led by 10 and the clemson yeah um then yeah you'd be looking at them right now saying they could definitely still make the ncaa tournament um i think they they dug a little bit too deep of a hole and i just don't think they have enough pieces to like you're talking about with state you're looking at not only do you need to be like middle of the pack resume, you need to grab some of you need to grab some wins against the top teams: Duke, Florida State, Louisville, Syracuse, even. Um, and I don't think, I mean, maybe UNC could beat Virginia when they get them at home. I think, um, but I just can't. Florida State, I can't see them beating. This is stuff you missed. The best of ninety nine nine. The fan. I'm Dennis Cox. Pitt men's basketball coach and former assistant at Duke and former player at Duke, Jeff Capel, stopped by Adam and Joe this afternoon. And Coach Capel kind of called out Joe Ovius for not attending Tuesday's game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I was um, going to be there, <laughs> Jeff, but it was sleepy time for me. I'm old and washed, man. You know how it is. No, I get it, man. Like we're not, we're 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 not we're we're not big enough yet. We'll get there oh, soon. We're no, where well, true you story. Guys be there, you and you and Lauren. You know, you you, you guys couldn't be there, man. I, I get it. Trust me. Brownlow and I had this con- No, no, this is a true this is a true conversation. Brownlow and I were talking about this from the state at the state uh North Carolina game. It's like, man, I'd really like to get out to Cameron to watch Capel in the building as a head coach, but I just don't know, man. I'm tired. I'll just probably just watch it from home. And we hate it that we weren't yeah. there, especially since we missed uh, a little bit of excitement there. Capel shared what he liked from his team in their matchup at Duke on Tuesday. You know, I was I was excited for how we were playing. We we got up off the mat and, you know, we kept going, we kept fighting, um, which is, you know, what we've done this year. Um, you know, and I told like, we're right there. We're right there. You know, we have to continue to get stops, but then we have to be intelligent offensively, you know, with what we do um, and make sure we take good shots and, you know, keep defending and rebounding. And that's what we talked about. Coach Capel also says that he wants his players to expect more. From right now, we play Sunday. People are going to be patting you on the back because we were close. Right. And it has to get to a point where you're offended by that. Like, it offends me. Um, I apologize you know, for offending you. Has to get... No, 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 no. It's good. Like, I mean, I understand. Right. Like, it's a good thing, but you have to take it that way. And our program has to take it that way. I can take it as a compliment because I understand no one in our program is one. Our guys haven't. And so they need to get tired of just being close. That's what I was trying to get them mm-hmm. to understand. They have to get tired of just being close. And it's difficult because of where our program has been. 
You can catch the full interview with Coach Capel on the Best of Adam and Joe podcast. Switching over to the NFL, New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton stopped by Golik and Wingo this morning, and he talked about what the future is going to be like for their quarterback, Drew Brees, who's an impending free agent. He and I spoke after the season, right prior to the Pro Bowl, and I, I think, honestly, he's going to spend some time. That first month when the season's over with, especially for a guy who's played as long as he has, uh, I'm sure he's going to spend time with his family and really let it all sink in, and then I think he'll make a decision fairly soon. You know, the one thing that was important to me, I said, hey, we've done this now together for a long time. However and whenever this finally ends, it's going to end on good terms with the two of us. There's going to be an open line of communication, and, and it's it's too important. There's been too many great accomplishments that we've shared together, and I say that selfishly, but from a Saints standpoint, but I think I think we'll know fairly soon. Sean Payton also says what we might expect in terms of changes with the pass interference challenge rule. The intentions of, of what we want to do with it uh, I think are good. I, I think we came out of the league meetings. I, I think for the most part, I, th- I think everyone was on the same page and excited, and yet we still have work to do implementing it, I would say, on a consistent basis. And I think that's, uh, that's what we're all challenged with, and I say we, the league, and we've got to improve in those areas. Alabama quarterback Tua Tungavailoa also joined Golik and Wingo this morning, and he explains how much Alabama head coach Nick Saban impacted his decision to go to the NFL. Coach Saban's thing was, you know, I mean, I, I'm not trying to persuade you to go. I'm not trying to persuade you to stay. But here's the information that I can give you. You know, and Coach Saban gave us the information that we needed as a family, and his thing was, you know, we're, we're behind you guys 100%. We're, whatever the decision is, you know, we're, we're behind you guys. So... He gave, us the, this, he gave us the information, you know, we sat down as a family, you know, and, and you know, we made the decision to, to enter the draft. Tunga Vailoa also tells us how important the medical evaluation is for him. My thing is I want to go to the combine, you know, and I solemnly focused on my medical. You right. know, I just want to win yep. my medical. You know, other people are going there to win the 40, right. win the bench press. Yep. I'm, I'm just going over there to win my, my medical and, that's that's what I'm preparing for, you know, right now, just rehabbing, you know, um, letting this the, the hip heal. Um, and then once once we're we're good, you know, cleared to go with the CT scans and the MRIs. This is stuff you missed the best of 99.9 The Fan. I'm Dennis Cox. Thanks once again for tuning in this evening. On the other side, Washington Redskins head coach Ron Rivera joined Golik and Wingo. And he explains what he sees in quarterback Dwayne Haskins and also talks a little bit about Cam Newton. And more discussions involving the NFL as Darren Gant of Pro Football Talk joined the David Glenn Show. Hear all that and more coming up next. Washington head coach and former Carolina Panthers head coach Ron Rivera joined Golik and Wingo this morning, and he gave an early evaluation of what he sees in his quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. The biggest thing I did was I took a look at the Detroit game where he had the second half where, quite honestly, in the fourth quarter when he had to have two drives to set themselves up to kick field goals to both set up a scoring opportunity and then set the opportunity to win the game. And, and he did it. Uh, he looked cool. He looked calm. He was collected. And then I watched a couple of the other games that followed it. And the more I watched, the more I saw this, the development of this young guy. And some of the things he did reminded me so much of Cam Newton that, that I was I was getting a little bit excited about that. Um, and then now having met him, it I, it feels good. It really does. And and I, I like where he is, you know. And and I think he's a young guy that's got an opportunity to develop. He's a young guy that could be be that guy that that you're going to need going forward. So we feel pretty strong about that. Rivera also mentions Cam Newton. 
I think his health is heading in the right direction. You know, he, he had the foot procedure, and, and last time I talked to him, he was, you know, he, he was feeling good about himself. He's been working out hard from what I hear. You know, he's, he's doing all the rehab stuff he's supposed to. Um, I would never bet against I would never bet against him. I'm going to tell you that much. You know, if he, if he comes back and he's healthy, they have a dynamic football player. The, the, the guy's a, uh, just, he's just a special guy. And, you know, hopefully he is healthy because, uh, you know, if he is, there's, there's a lot of good football left. Rivera also got into a discussion with Golick and Wingo about minority coaching hires in the NFL. There's got to be advocates for people. They really do. If you go out and look at some of the coaches that were hired and look at what happened before they got hired, look at how many people were out advocating for them. Who brought these names to the to the forefront? Who are the people that are putting these names out in the forefront? That's where people start to notice, oh, who should get hired? It's, it's funny because when I was working with Marty Herney, one of the things that Marty Herney said is that is that if you ever hire somebody, you got to go back and look at what they've done in the past and look at the success they've had. That's really what you're looking for. You know, and I've been fortunate that some of the coaches that I've brought with me, if you look at some of the paths I've had, Going from Philadelphia to Chicago to San Diego to Carolina, you can point to a couple of coaches that came with me during that time. And in each one of those stops, we had success. So I'd like to think that that coach was part of the success I'd had. To me, that's the kind of guy that you're looking for because he's had success. Mike Golick also weighed in on minority coaching hires in the NFL and how teams can cultivate coaches on their staff. The pipeline to get to that level is not where it should be to put uh, – to put minority uh, coaches in that position. Again, not to give them jobs, but put them in the position to interview for jobs. To me, that's, that's where this thing needs to dig even a little deeper to give, them, uh, to give minority coaches an opportunity to get those positions. And as I said, we talked about this a while ago, when you hire a head coach, the head coach is usually the one that hires the offensive-defensive coordinator, and there's only, as I said, two African-American offensive coordinators. That, that's the coaches who, who are not hiring there, and maybe because the pool isn't, isn't deep enough to hire more. That, that's, so I do think it needs to dig a little deeper here. Trey Wingo also weighs in on the Rooney rule. There's no easy solution here, right? No. But I think the one thing we can all agree on, that the process that was started with the Rooney Rule with all the best of intentions simply isn't working because now it's just checking a box. Did we do this? Check. Now let's go on to get the person we want. So how do we fix it? How does it change? This is Stuff You Missed, the best of 99.9 The Fan. Darren Gannon, Pro Football Talk, stopped by the David Glenn Show today to talk all things NFL. And one discussion that they got into was the collective bargaining agreement and comments made by Roger Goodell in his State of the League address earlier this week. We're not sure about expanding from 16 to 17 regular season games because it's part of the ongoing discussions for the new collective bargaining agreement. Right. I mean, I guess he tackled the Rooney rule a little bit. Was that the most close to newsworthy comment? Maybe. And you know what? If Roger ever wants to uh, step away from the NFL, he can always run for Senate in vain because – like Susan Collins, he's very concerned about the Rooney Rule. Right. He, he thinks it's something they need to really be serious about. So, And, yeah, nothing ever gets done. Gant also got into the conversation about minority coaching hires. Uh, again, no kidding the Rooney Rule's not working as anybody anticipating. No kidding you want to play 17 games. I, I do think, you know, the way he tried to talk about 17 games was interesting because he spoke of, looking at the whole calendar, which basically means they're trying to view some off-season stuff and shorten the preseason as a trade-off. But if I'm the players, and I believe the players are serious about this, if the players want to avoid 17 games, they're going to have to, I mean, that's going to cost them points off the top. And I'm 
I'm going to be interested to see how much money the players are willing to give up if they're serious about keeping this at 16 games. Gant sees a solution from upper management. If the NFL really wants minority hiring and head coach and general manager and coordinator positions, they'll get serious about inviting some minority ownership into their league. And there's not a terrible lot of that at the moment, in case you haven't noticed. So I, I think barring a big structural change like that, it's going to be hard to imagine uh, this thing reversing course. I mean, it's it's embedded too deeply. Gant also talks about David Tepper's hire of Matt Rule and how NFL owners operate. Listen, I, I want to be clear when I say this. I don't think David Tepper had nefarious intent, but I think David Tepper got his heart set on Matt Rule, and it was by God going to be Matt Rule no matter Rooney rule or any other rule that, that came down the pipe. So if that's the way these guys operate. And until, you know, until there's competition, until, you know, one of the guys who has opportunity wins another Super Bowl, I, you know, you saw Tony Dungy have success. You would think that would make people want to emulate it and hire more Tony Dungy types. And, and there was a brief flurry of that. But it, it goes to show the margin of error is so much thinner for those guys. Dennis Cox here with you. This is Stuff You Missed, the best of 99.9 The Fan. David Glenn gave a little bit of a preview of his. David Glenn shared his thoughts on the Super Bowl matchup this Sunday between the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs and what San Francisco did against poor run defenses this season. Against most teams, the Chiefs are simply too devastating on offense for their 29th-ranked run defense to matter. 29th-ranked, remember, is three from dead last. The 49ers have feasted on terrible run defenses in 2019. They put up 51 points on the lowly Carolina Panthers and their bad run defense. They put up 31 points on the lowly Cleveland Browns and their bad run defense. They put up 41 on the lowly Bengals and their porous run defense. DG also says you have to be a little uneasy if you do pick the 49ers admitting that even if you pick the 49ers, there's got to be a nervous part of you in there somewhere that the offensive guru Andy Reid and the former MVP Patrick Mahomes and the speedy Tyreek Hill and the splendid tight end Travis Kelsey and the blossoming Sammy Watkins when he gets one-on-one coverage. That's a lot to stop for the 49ers defense. We've got, I think, a whopper awaiting us on Sunday night in Super Bowl 54. Adam and Joe got into a discussion about the lack of buzz heading into the Super Bowl this Sunday, much of it due to the unexpected death of Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant's death on Sunday and his daughter's death and the passengers that were with him, the other families that were affected by this on Sunday in the helicopter accident, has undoubtedly put a shadow over any proceedings that have happened this week in Miami. Most of Sports Center. Or any other show that you watch or outlet you watch has been focused on, and rightfully so, Kobe Bryant tributes. They also say what the NFL is going to do during the Super Bowl as a tribute to Kobe. Roger Goodell, who did his State of the NFL address yesterday, was asked if the league was planning to honor Kobe mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Roger Goodell doesn't do a lot of good press conferences, but as far as this one goes, it was probably you know one of his better ones. In terms of, like, are you going to honor Kobe? Like, well, we lost our own guy. We, one of their best players. I don't know if he's on their uh, 100 list, but I think it was, uh, was it Chris Dolman yeah, passed Chris away Dolman at age, time. like, 56 or something. 58. So, 58. so uh, the, both will be mentioned. Uh, there will be something for both of them during the game. 
You've been listening to the Stuff You Missed Best of 99.9 The Fan Podcast with host Dennis Cox. Don't forget, there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and TuneIn. This podcast also airs every weeknight at 6.30 after Adam and Joe on 99.9 The Fan. 